This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. We're going through that uh, layer by layer, trying to uh, find something that can give us some clues on the disappearance of uh, Jolene Cummings. The report says that Kessler did not listen. She took off her clothes and started throwing feces. For them, it's so frustrating. You know, they want justice. They want answers. And right now, unfortunately, they just haven't gotten them. Last week on True Crime Chronicles, we told you about the case of Jolene Cummings, who disappeared back in April 2018. Kimberly Kessler, a co-worker, was arrested after she was spotted on surveillance video ditching Jolene Cummings' car after she disappeared. Kessler was initially charged with stealing that SUV. When we left off, we heard Kessler speaking in a police interview shortly after her arrest in 2018, asking for legal counsel. This week, we'll tell you what happened next to Kessler and the search for Cummings and what's happened in the years after Kessler's arrest. It's a winding and at times bizarre string of events that continues to this day. My name's Heather Crawford, um, and I work at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, where I am the evening anchor. I've been here for about a decade. So um, I was here when this case started. And it's one of those cases, you know, we cover a lot of a lot of cases um, as a journalist, but this is one of those ones that just really has always stuck with me. It's something I think about all the time. And I think it, it just hit me because here's this young, beautiful mom. Uh, she's a hairstylist, beloved, And she vanishes on Mother's Day weekend, which also happens to be her birthday weekend. On May 12th of 2018, Jolene Cummings is last seen at the Tangles Hair Salon in Fernandina Beach, where she worked. The next day, Mother's Day, she does not show up to pick up her children from her ex-husband. Now, on May 14th, Ann Johnson, her mother, reports her missing. Eight days later, Kimberly Kessler, also known as Jennifer Siebert, was arrested after surveillance video shows her dumping Cummings SUV at a Home Depot in Nassau County. Kessler was Cummings' co-worker, and deputies say that she was using a fake name and fake social security number. You know, this is one of those cases that everybody in our community knows Jolene Cummings' name. And um, my kids are about the same age is is her kids and just thinking about those three young children who don't know what happened to their mother um it's just heartbreaking to think about that and and it's just you just wonder what happened to her where could she be over the months and years since jolene disappeared we heard a lot from co-workers and people who knew kessler before jolene's disappearance People who spoke of strange behavior and odd interactions with the woman who's now charged with the murder. In recorded interviews with detectives, one of Jolene Cummings' co-workers said that um, Jolene had said she was concerned about Kimberly Kessler. She didn't trust her. She wanted to dig into her background. In fact, Jolene Cummings didn't even know Kimberly Kessler. She knew her as Jennifer Seibert. A newly released interview with a co-worker of these two women revealed that Cummings actually grew increasingly concerned about Kessler, who, as you said at the time told her co-workers her name was Jennifer Seibert. At one point, Cummings was actually so concerned she told that co-worker Seibert is not the person she says she is. I have a feeling that something about her that I don't trust. The voice you're hearing is that of Ann Morgan, who worked at Tangle's hair salon with Jolene Cummings and Kimberly Kessler. It's taken from a recorded interview with a detective days after Cummings disappeared. Morgan says Kessler and Cummings had run-ins in the salon, things as small as turning the salon's thermostat on or off, or who should take care of certain clients. 
But Morgan says there was something about the way Kessler carried herself that Cummings just couldn't shake. Her suspicions were so strong, Cummings wanted to dig into her co-worker's criminal history. She said, because I want to go online and look up the rap sheet and look and see the Jennifer name pop up. The interview doesn't reveal what, if anything, the research revealed. But just days before she went missing, Cummings reached out to Morgan again. It turned out to be one of the last conversations they ever had. She says she cannot explain it, but something about Jennifer is not right. She's not a person that she says she is. Kessler would remain behind bars, and the search for Jolene Cummings would continue. It's been now more than three weeks since Cummings went missing. The suspect in her disappearance is Kimberly Kessler, a woman who worked with Cummings at Tangle's Hair Salon in Yulee. And today we've learned that that hair salon is closing indefinitely because of this ongoing investigation. I'm still trying to like do what I can to be like a good friend, even though she's not here. Jolene Cummings went missing just one day shy of her 34th birthday. Police are now working to recover her body, but her friends, Brooke Harley and Elma Power, say they don't want her to be forgotten. Always a smile. I've never seen her crying over anything, um, and that was that was an inspiration to me. The three graduated from Hilliard Middle Senior High School in 2002 and have been best friends ever since. Brooke says Jolene was the kind of friend that would stick up for you. She'd always be like, why are you letting them talk to you like that or do that to you like you can't do that so I miss that about her. They say the news about her disappearance is still shocking. It's just unbelievable especially in this little town especially to her. Someone who they remember as vibrant and easygoing. Jolene was a great person. She loved being a mom. She loved working hard. We could go months without hanging out and then when we did it was just like we picked up right where we left off and that's how they won jolene to be remembered the best friend in the world to have and then under the hot summer sun investigators honed in on a landfill in rural georgia far from the salon where jolene was last seen on july 7th the fbi began searching the chesser landfill in charlton county georgia for possible evidence in cummings disappearance a lot of FBI agents just descended upon a Georgia landfill and they spent, it was in the middle of July, hot, hot, hot weather, and they spent days searching this landfill. This is not a place I ever thought that we could find evidence or even fear that my daughter could be. Three days of 12-hour shifts in the heat. We're going through that uh, layer by layer, trying to uh, find something that can give us some clues on the disappearance of uh, Jolene Cummings. So far, crews have narrowed the search down from the original pile of debris that was about the size of a football field. I do think that uh, we are in the right vicinity of where we need to be. Where we need to be. I can't about so high, about like that. It's just dump the contents into the. The focus still remains on finding a white plastic shopping bag and a small trash can that authorities say Kimberly Kessler was seen on surveillance video throwing into a dumpster that they believe is in this landfill. It's our only suspect, is uh, Kimberly Kessler. But even without any trace of Jolene, there was other evidence, new clues in the investigation that would eventually be made public. Blood, according to court documents, was found inside the hair salon, um, along with indications that attempts have been made to try and clean up some of the blood. Also, court documents show that law enforcement found Jolene Cummings' DNA on a blood stain that was found on a pair of boots that Kimberly Kessler, the suspect, had inside of a storage unit that she was uh, renting. And then the state attorney's office released surveillance footage which showed Kessler was purchasing ammonia, 
black trash bags and an electric knife at a Walmart self-checkout line. So there's so many different pieces of evidence um, and clues in this case. But despite it all, no one has ever been able to find Jolene Cummings. Finally, months after Jolene Cummings vanished, new charges were filed against Kimberly Kessler. Tonight, Kimberly Kessler, a former co-worker of missing Nassau County mother Jolene Cummings, is charged with first-degree premeditated murder in her death. So there's still no body, but deputies say they have both physical and circumstantial evidence. I talked to state attorney Melissa Nelson after that press conference, asking her how rare it is for them to go forward on a prosecution for murder charges when there is no body. She said though it is rare, it has happened before. Uh, Kimberly Kessler, who also went by the name Jennifer Seibert, right now faces life in prison if she is found guilty. That was September 2018. More time would go by, and then in February of the following year, new details emerged. New information about what led investigators to file that murder charge against Kimberly Kessler. First at 11, evidence exposed, crime scene photos, hours worth of interviews and videos once kept private, now unsealed in the case against accused killer, Kimberly Kessler. There are some friends of Kimberly Kessler that describe her as dangerous. There's an ex-husband who describes her as physically violent. And we're also going through pages of her phone records on her laptop showing what she was searching online before she was arrested. She did this major change of personality. Mm -hmm. In interviews with detectives, childhood friends describe a young Kimberly Kessler. I tried to stay off of Kim's radar because, quite honestly, she was a scary individual. An ex-boyfriend describes alleged physical attacks. She bit your dad in the leg? Yes. And she stabbed you in the chest? And an ex-husband says he also had a close call. I heard something about she had stabbed you with some scissors. Can you tell me about that? And then there was her internet browsing history leading up to Jolene's disappearance. Searches that included female murderers, post-mortem bodies, psychosis, and mind-controlling drugs. And on May 16th, the day before she was arrested, she spent eight hours searching Jolene Cummings' name. And then that surveillance video of Kessler was released, video that police had used to identify her as a suspect early on. New surveillance pictures just released last night. You see them are on your screen right now. Take a look at that. Uh, very interesting stuff. That is Kimberly Kessler at a gas station the night Jolene Cummins, a local mother of three from Nassau County, disappeared. This black and white surveillance video dated Mother's Day 2018 appears to show Kimberly Kessler emptying a black trash can into a dumpster behind the shopping center where she worked with Jolene Cummings at Tangle's Hair Salon. Cummings vanished last Mother's Day weekend. Her body has never been found. A crime scene report says investigators found bloodstains in the salon, including on a break room wall and on a bleach bottle. Newly released photos show what was found inside, outside in the woods, a shoe, and several items were photographed next to evidence markers. We're getting our first glimpse at the Crime Stoppers tips that poured in. One person reporting a gold SUV was pulled off on the side of the road in Yuli, and someone was seen walking close to the wood line with black trash bags, stopping at a pond near the Justice Center late at night, the day Cummings was last seen. All of this became public in April 2019, almost a year after Jolene Cummings vanished, and Kimberly Kessler remained behind bars, charged with murder, despite the fact that Jolene still hadn't been found. A murder charge without a body, 
and all the while Kessler maintained her innocence. First at five tonight, First Coast News has obtained jail calls between Kimberly Kessler and her mother. This is a prepaid call from Kim Kessler. Hello, Mom. It's unclear exactly when the calls occurred. Conversations paint a picture somewhere shortly after her arrest. This is a very tedious and time-consuming operation. And others later in the investigation. It's kind of funny. They keep me in solitary confinement like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's heaven, girl. I love it. Shortly after her arrest, Kimberly Kessler's mom asked if she had anything to do with a missing person. Kessler told her mother to bail her out of jail and that she is innocent. I don't know what happened. All I know is that I didn't do anything. I had nothing to do with it. I have no idea. The conversation shifted to her condition in jail, her eating habits, and why she believed she was being held in isolation, despite mental health counselors trying to get her moved out. They're just trying to make me look bad in front of the judge by keeping me in here and just making it so I stay in here because they don't have anything on me because it's all bull. Kessler and her mom continue to talk about why the ongoing media coverage, saying it could be a bad omen. I say it's because it's the Illuminati. I think that um, her people definitely are seriously involved in it. So that's just what is happening. By the summer of 2019, Kessler's competency to stand trial was front and center. We are following breaking news this afternoon. A judge has ruled that Kimberly Kessler is incompetent to stand trial for the murder of a Nassau County mother. And you know, from the beginning, really, Kimberly Kessler's competency has been an issue. She was found incompetent to stand trial um, in 2019. Now, this decision, or this ruling rather, was based on two different psychologist evaluations. Now, as far as what's next in this case, Clark Kessler will now be committed to the Florida Hospital in Chattahoochee to regain competency. Now, we spoke with Jolene's mother, Ann Johnson, after the hearing. She's remaining hopeful that justice will be served and listen to her reaction to the judge's ruling. The facility itself is not like a prison or a jail where you have armed guards. It has to be a maximum, a maximum security. We don't want this to go 25 years or never at being able to find her. That's my greatest concern. Now, the judge also added that Kessler will remain in the Florida hospital for the next six months, and she's due back in court in January. But then before January came another swing in the case and a new ruling, it was October of that year. And first at five tonight, a high-profile murder suspect is competent to stand trial. That's according to doctors at a Florida hospital. The ruling comes just three months after Kimberly Kessler was found mentally incompetent to stand trial. We can tell you that the change to competent in this letter here was not surprising to criminal defense attorney Janet Johnson. I sat down with her as she explained how this could happen so quickly. Was it possible now that she's competent? Because the standard's not that high. For the past 90 days, Kimberly Kessler's been at Florida State Hospital in Chattahoochee. After a ruling, she was mentally incompetent to stand trial. Johnson, who practices criminal law in Jacksonville, says it's likely Kessler went through a series of tests at the hospital. So they would have people talking to her about the person in the robe is the judge. This person is your defense attorney. He's there, she's there to help you mount a defense. It's really that basic and that kind of understanding that presumably she didn't have 90 days ago. 
The actual psychiatric assessment is confidential, but Johnson says the tests themselves are fairly standard. And there are only a certain number of doctors in this community, even in Central Florida, who do these kinds of tests. And for them to be admissible into court, you can't really just shop around and get a doctor who's going to ask like a you know set of odd questions that will prove your point. If the questions did not change, what did? She's probably been on a medication that she wasn't taking. Having been put on the medication, then they do training. It's basically school to get her competent. Well, Florida State Hospital now says Kessler, the only person charged with the murder of Jolene Cummings, can continue in court. Johnson says a trial is still not a guarantee. Either she goes to trial, there's a plea bargain, or she could just plead straight up to the court and say, okay, I'm just going to plead guilty or no contest. Now we can go forward and just like in any other case, we're just beginning to figure out what the roadmap is for the rest of it. But the roadmap has been slow to evolve. In 2020, as the global pandemic took hold, court cases in Florida and across the nation came to a halt. Proceedings and trials were delayed. And Kessler herself, still behind bars, seemed to be on a downward spiral. The woman accused of killing a Yuli hairstylist and mother of three, Jolene Cummings, is on the verge of death following a 56-day hunger strike. An emergency motion filed Wednesday seeks to send Kimberly Kessler to a psychiatric hospital immediately to prevent her death from starvation. The motion says Kessler has refused food for months at the Nassau County Jail and was recently hospitalized due to the severity of her condition. Right now, due to a Department of Children and Families order, patients are not being accepted at state psychiatric hospitals due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, it's not clear if Kessler will be allowed to move to a state hospital. Cummings' body has never been found. At one point over the summer, um, she lost so much weight that jail officials said that she was in danger of dying, um, that they were going to have to force feed her. That was at the end of 2020. And since then, there have been several instances that we've heard of where she threw feces at corrections officers. She spread feces on the walls of her jail cell. According to the arrest report, this started yesterday when a guard, guard tried to move Kessler to a different cell. The report says that Kessler did not listen. She took off her clothes and started throwing feces. The guards tried to use pepper spray to make her stop. When that didn't work, they used a stun gun. Kessler is now facing new charges. Her murder trial is set to start in August. And then a few weeks later, um, she faced another charge for destroying a fire extinguisher. She apparently tried to uh, grab a corrections officer's taser. Um, and so that's when she was arrested, you know, in jail again. This all happening just this year. And still a final decision on whether she's competent to stand trial is pending. She has another competency hearing before a judge scheduled for later this month. And the court previously ruled against the doctor's previous assessment. Um, so will she be determined to be competent to stand trial? We don't know. Her, her trial right now tentatively scheduled to start in August. Um, but if she's found incompetent to stand trial, then that, of course, won't happen. Um, and so for the family, for the friends, for the loved ones, seeing the woman accused of this presumed murder um, be deemed incompetent, then competent, then incompetent. I, I know for them, it's so frustrating. You know, they want justice. They want answers. And right now, unfortunately, they just haven't gotten them. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. I'm here with Reed Redman. Spencer Brudig will be back with us next week. 
Reed, I just wanted to mention as we wind up this two-part story about Jolene Cummings uh, that Kimberly Kessler is now scheduled for a mental competency hearing before judge on June 30th. So at the time of this recording, um, we don't know, obviously, the outcome of that. We will certainly keep our listeners posted uh, in, in future episodes. But to recap, just to bring us all up to speed, a doctor found her mentally incompetent. I believe that was last month. Uh, but she'd also previously been ruled incompetent in 2020. A judge then overruled that. So it's gone back and forth. We will know soon uh, what comes out of this this mental competency hearing. So, Will, there's been this whole back and forth, but but help us out. What exactly does it mean to be competent to stand trial, at least as the statute is defined in Florida, where this trial would be taking place? Sure. Well, I'll do my best to explain this. Obviously, Reed, I'm not, not a lawyer, nor am I an expert on this, but uh, so our listeners will understand. And a lot of our listeners will be familiar with that, this idea as true crime listeners uh, and uh, people interested in these topics. But if the defendant has no rational as well as factual understanding of the proceedings against her or him, that is one sort of measure of whether they're incompetent to proceed. So, uh, again, this is from a 2020 statute in Florida, and there's a, a lot of provisions that they go into. But someone basically has to understand what's happening, right? Uh, and there's a lot of additional language that's in included in that that judges will consider, that doctors, you know, present in a hearing like the one we're talking about, Um but I'll, I'll actually mention a few more that somebody has to uh, be able to appreciate the charges against them. They have to understand and appreciate the range and nature of possible penalties. Uh, they have to be able to uh, act appropriately in the courtroom and testify relevantly, just to mention a few other items. So, uh, you know, I think that will probably make sense to most of our listeners that they they really just have to have this understanding of what's going on. Um and these hearings can, you know, again, I, it's not like there's just one and it's over. My understanding of this is that the courts and the system will try to then, you know, if someone's mentally incompetent, put them into a situation where they are presumably going to get better. That may mean medication. And medication doesn't rule out uh, them becoming then competent down the road. In fact, it could make them able to, to, to uh, you know, attend a trial uh, and be there and testify uh, in a trial against them. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into this, and it's complicated, but that's the basic idea. Just something that might be worth clarifying, because I think it is easy to get a little mixed up. What is then the difference between this evaluation of competence to stand trial, and then when somebody at trial pleads not guilty by reason of insanity? Right. So th th they're very different concepts, actually. And as you said, competent to stand trial. That's really the big difference is that if you're not competent to stand trial, the trial's never going to happen. So that's all before something happens. Once a trial has started, uh, then there could be a plea for not guilty by reason of insanity, insanity, if that makes sense. So interestingly, y you can be declared legally competent and also legally insane, but you can't be legally insane unless you're legally competent. Does that make sense? Right, right. And another big piece of that being that when you're determining someone's competency to stand trial, you're talking about their state of mind in the here and now when the trial would take place. And then when somebody pleads not guilty by reason of insanity, it's a question of the person's state of mind at the time of the alleged crime, when that was committed, what was their state of mind. Another thread here that, that might complicate things as this potentially moves to trial is, as you got into in the episode, Kessler was charged with murder despite no body being found. 
I was just curious if there's any update on that front. I assume the search is still ongoing. I'm not aware of any other searches that are currently going on with any, certainly not with any significant findings, but regular ongoing searches, I think, have probably uh, not continued, at least at the rate that they that they were early on in this investigation. Let me mention one other thing about the insanity plea that we talked about. Every state, you know, is different and laws are different. Uh, some states don't even have that insanity plea. So, you know, it really does vary depending on where you are and where the trial is taking place. Reed, I know you've looked into this case a, a little further, as many of our listeners might be interested in doing. There's a, a lot of ins and outs, and Kimberly Kessler's past is something that uh, people are interested in. You've learned a little bit more about her background as well. Yeah, what I was curious about among, you know, like a million other things related to this case, but what I was curious about is when Kimberly Kessler allegedly started using all of these different aliases and identities, what did the people who originally knew Kimberly Kessler think, or, or did they lose touch with her? What exactly happened there? And it turns out, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm looking at a missing poster right now for Kimberly Kessler. Her family reported her missing in 2012. And an interesting detail here is that, uh, according to the flyer, they said she was last seen in 2004. So there was this eight-year window where her family hadn't had contact with her and, and hadn't reported her missing um, of course, now that missing person's case is is closed. She's been found. All right, Reed, uh, we have a daily show that we should mention to listeners who are not already listening. Yeah, they can check out The Daily Crime. Uh, we put out new episodes over there five days a week. We interview a different crime reporter every single day. It's hosted by Will and I, and uh, you can find it wherever you're listening to True Crime Chronicles right now. All right, and we'll be back next week with Spencer Brudig. We'll be back with a new case and a new story.